LA is vast, vibrant, simultaneously stunning as well as challenging and confusing. At Together LA, this city is our passion. We know that loving LA well starts with listening. Pounding the pavement in search of the individuals invested in the flourishing of Los Angeles. These are the inspiring stories and real-life interviews with the men and women who work to bring the gospel to LA in their unique ways. Thanks for joining us as we bring you closer to the heart of LA, one story, one voice, and one neighborhood at a time. This is the Together LA Listening Tour. Hey, welcome everyone. We are now here on Together LA's podcast, The Listening Tour. And I'm here with my newest friend, Stella. Now, let me just make sure I'm pronouncing your last name correct. It's Stella Locke, right? Or Locke? Locke is Locke. correct. Yes, 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 yes. Stella, tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me your journey and what you're now doing with Link. Yes, so I am uh, actually a one and a half gen uh, Chinese American. Yep. I was born and raised in Hong Kong. Uh, immigrated with my family to San Francisco up in the Bay Area when I was nine years old. Uh, so my maiden name is Yao. My married name is Locke. That's my yes. husband's last name. And really, since coming to San Francisco with family nine years old, I've been up in the Bay Area uh, up until 2014, where really getting this clear call from God uh, to... Uh, attend Azusa Pacific Seminary for further education. And so my husband and I, we, we don't have kids, it's just the two of us, and a dog, <laughs> our dog named Cooper, who's a little Yorkie. He turned nine last Saturday. Um, so I guess that's our fur baby. Uh, yeah, so we came in 2014, where I started grad school, uh, MA at Azusa Pacific, yeah. with a degree in pastoral studies, emphasizing on church leadership and development. Interesting. And we have been in SoCal since then. Yeah. <laughs> Stella, what were you doing before? What was your career before going to master's program at Azusa? Yes. So I, I grew up in the church and in a very traditional Chinese family where, you know, parents want you to be either an accountant or a doctor or a lawyer, right? So engineer, you and, forgot the engineer. <laughs> and the engineer. And and um, so I went to UC Davis with a major in economics because that was the closest thing to, to a business major, I guess. And after graduating, I worked in the corporate setting for 10 years, uh, three of those years in mortgage right before the 2008 bubble burst. Yep. And then seven years in Honeywell at an automation company. So 10 years in a corporate yes. setting before grad school. Yeah. Honeywell. What were you doing at Honeywell? I, I did so many things, Tommy. I started out as an executive admin to, I yep. believe, I don't know if I remember his title, but like a district manager yep. um, for two years, then assisted a project manager for a year, then a uh, few service uh, to manage a team of fire technician for yep. a few years. Uh, so all total of seven years at Honeywell before yeah, moving yeah. to SoCal. I asked you that because I uh, graduated from Washington University in St. Louis at their business school. And so I said, okay, you know what? I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. Got hired by a company called American Tower from my okay. old youth group counselor at a Chinese church here in Chinatown. And so the first job they gave me, we had just acquired 200 towers from Verizon Wireless. All the files came in, a random order, nothing, no organization. They said, go, go organize all these files. And I said, what? Oh my goodness. I just graduated from business school. Why am I, why am I organizing these files? Put your degree in good works. <laughs> oh my gosh. But at the same time, Stella, I realized it was phenomenal. It forced me 
to be organized. I learned how to tell reconstruction drawings. I learned how to read uh, environmentals, how to read structural engineers, but it taught me the disciplines of being mm. organized and creating systems in my head. After I was done, I did that for about four months. For three months after that, I said, create a system to then scan all of this in. And so I had a whole bunch of interns. So I'm just doing that. I did that for another five months and now everything's done. Then they promoted me as project manager because I knew how everything right. worked. Right. Wow. That's amazing. That's a good story. You're right. You know, the deeper God is so economical, right? He uses everything. And that's the thing with, I think my journey at Honeywell, um, I learned to, wow, talk about identity and voice and agency yeah. because it's a very predominantly male dominated right, industry. Right, right. And being a woman and younger, and it was tough, Tommy. It was tough, but it prepared me for sure. <laughs> yeah. And I, in, in some sense, a lot of times, wouldn't you say who you are right now, all your experiences, all of that stuff, it's a culmination, everything that happens, oh, yes. good or bad. And so I had some of the best bosses in the world. I had some mm -hmm. of the biggest jerks in the world. As a growing up, as a younger Asian American who worked for baby boomer bosses, I had to learn to work for individuals that took credit for everything I did, was mm. never very organized, and I had to do all the hard work wow. and give them the credit. Wow. Wow. Yes. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> that touched on some wounds. <laughs> but at the same time, Stella, I'm not sure how, what it taught me, what good leaders were, because I sat there and said, when I'm in charge of a team, I would never want that. I right. never would want anyone to feel that way. Sure, sure. Yes. So it taught me the importance of always valuing the team member, giving credit to the team. When things go bad, I take the hits for it and not allowing them to have ownership and freedom. Because in my heart, I'm sitting there, I could do all these, but they always kept telling me I was too young. I was inexperienced. Mm. I actually worked for a Bible college in Chicago. I, my role was special assistant to the president, right? Major donors, founders, we, it was pretty easy. I built cell towers for 10 years. How hard is this? <laughs> but older individuals, I still remember because of my title, the first day of work, someone asked me if I'm going to switch and wear my dress. And I'm saying, what in the world is wrong with you? Yeah. It, it just, and all throughout my three years, while you're too young, you don't have, I'm saying, you know, I built cell towers for 10. Mm -hmm. And so it's valuing the employees. Yes. Yes, exactly. And, and valuing them, value, not just, you know, to, to hear them out, let them have a say, right? Yeah to to feel like they are part of the team yes 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 yeah and half the time you have to admit that the ideas they come up with are way better than the ideas that yes. you ever come up with. oh yeah you're there, oh yeah. yeah so much better go ahead and just do it and now now you're working and facilitating those conversations right. right i totally agree and that's truly you know when it's operating right the blessing of the body of christ yeah right yeah. So you graduate from uh, Azusa. Did you think you were going to go into church? What happened there? You know, Tommy, I had no idea what I was going to do. <laughs> like you were saying, right? What I do when I graduate, and it so happened my, uh, this is all God's divine connection. And so my senior pastor up in San Francisco uh, contacted me, I would say maybe a month or a few months before I graduated and say, hey, what's your plan? I was like, I really don't know. Either we'll move back home or I guess we're staying in SoCal and see what that's like. Well, he already has a good relationship with the city director um, at Link Bay area. And yep. so he was like, why don't you connect with, uh, his name's Aaron, connect with Aaron. And I'm like, well, but I'm in SoCal. Um, so what I didn't know was there's a Link LA. 
And Got so it. Aaron then connected me and my husband actually to, yeah. uh, his name is Dominic at Link LA at the time, right before I graduated. And honestly, Tommy, I feel like I didn't even interview for this job. I, I had two conversations with the city director and I guess our hearts just align and so much of what my experiences are and how God wires me fits Link's mission so well yeah. in, in raising up leaders yeah. and for local missions. And so, you know, he, I graduated May 2016 yep. and by November 2016, I was part of the team. You're good. You're good. <laughs> now, your husband, what is he doing now? He actually currently works as a compliance analyst at a Taiwanese bank. So what yeah. that means is he looks at data pretty much all day long on a screen at high-risk bank accounts for, I guess, red flag on money laundering. Oh, very, very good. Very good. And neighborhood, what neighborhood do you guys live in in LA? We currently live in Roland Heights. Very good. Okay. We were living in Azusa for, wow, almost, we just moved here a year ago. Okay. But, yeah. Now for you, I mean, I'm assuming your husband is also Chinese as well too? Yes. He is born and raised in San Francisco. Four, okay. Did you, do you guys attend a Chinese church or a multicultural church or what's the situation? That you we guys are currently in? attend a Pan-Asian church. It's oh. a Gateway Friends Church in Diamond Bar. Pan-Asian by that, they're Chinese American, Korean American, Japanese American, Vietnamese American. There's a few uh, uh, Anglo and uh, Latino, Latina, but majority Pan-Asian and a lot of intermarriage. And so yep. like, you know, our senior pastors, I think, third generation Chinese yeah. and his wife is, you know, Korean. So, you know, they have yeah, Chinese yeah, Korean yeah. babies, right? We have Korean and Japanese and you have Korean Japanese babies. We have Filipino. And so very Pan-Asian, very mixed. Oh, and for those who are listening in, I mean, the very fact that even though our skin color looks different, how Chinese and Korean are very, very different, Korean, Japanese, and even Chinese and uh, Taiwanese, very mm. different mentality, very, very yes. different from each other. Yes, for sure. For sure. And for me, because I grew up in Hong Kong, that's kind of my primary narrative for nine years. Yep. And San Francisco, mind you, is very different from LA, right? San Francisco has a lot more Cantonese speakers, people from Hong Kong and, and, and Canton part of mainland. Yep. But that's here me. I noticed has a lot more um, Taiwanese yep. and yep. Mandarin speaker from mainland. Correct. So Very, very. I, my parents were from Hong Kong, and so a lot of times I speak Cantonese. So mm -hmm. I grew up, and I grew up in the Chinatown area of Chicago. Okay, nice. I don't think I've been to the Chinatown of Chicago yet. I mean, I love Chinatown, San Francisco, and then moving to LA, I'm like, LA's Chinatown is not as big. So I'm curious about Chicago's Chinatown now. Bella, where is the Chinatown in LA? Oh, I was just there a couple of days ago. How did I? Do, are you familiar with LA, Tommy? A little bit. Okay, so it's not far. I mean, it's all enclaves, right? I mean, it's not far from where Koreatown, Little Tokyo, yeah, uh -huh. um, those pockets of community. So Chinatown is right there too. Yeah, if you, especially in the Pan Asian and all that stuff, I'm assuming that you enjoy Chinese food the most, right? You know, I wouldn't say the most. I just love Asian food. Okay. I I can't like there are days I love Korean food, Thai food, Japanese food, Chinese food. I mean, I just love Asian food. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Before we finish this, I'm going to talk a little bit about restaurants, what you enjoy doing, all that stuff. But tell me a little bit about Link LA, what you guys all do. Yeah. So can, can I share with the history first? Of context? Please, 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 so, please. So Link started in back in 2002 in Houston, Texas, by an Anglo pastor who has access and pathway to seminary education. Right. Yeah. Uh, he, you know, he himself a pastor, I believe. 
and I'm not wrong, but if I, I'm wrong, you know, there's grace again, right? Like I believe his, his dad was a pastor. So generational pastoral ministry, but he started ministering to the community in Houston, which is very diverse. Yeah. And he comes across a lot of immigrant leaders as well as indigenous leaders with these God, beautiful God-given dreams, right? To either start non-profit or plant the church or start right. new ministry, whatever that dream is to make a gospel impact in their community. But yet these leaders lack access and they face barriers yeah. and they're not equipped. And so Link was birthed by this pastor because he wanted to come alongside these leaders to engage them, to cl- help them clarify what that dream is and to equip them so that they can launch these ministries so that they don't have to. So, so Link has been a model where it's super accessible for those who often are overlooked and underestimated, yeah. but yet have this beautiful dream from God. And yep. it takes all kinds of people to reach all kinds of people, right? So right. like, you know, if you are formerly incarcerated or if you, you know, uh, have experience with human trafficking, like you're yep. going to be able to reach a population that I myself am not going to be right. able to reach. Right, 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 but right. how can I come alongside you, yep. whether it be strategic planning or even yep. some discipleship and care so that you can do that well. So that's what Link does. So our mission is, to engage, to equip, and to empower the local leaders to really make a gospel impact in the community. So that's what Link does. Uh, that's the history. Nationally, we're in seven cities. Link SoCal is one of them. And so I'm the city director. I've been a city director for two years, even though I've been with Link since 2016. Uh, I started out as a mission uh, director and an associate city director. And then right before the pandemic, end of 2019, I was a uh, in this position of a city director. And so what I get to do, what I love to do, and it's really in my wheelhouse is really is leadership discipleship. Yep. Is coming alongside a leader, not just to help them with strategies and developing fundraising plan if it's a nonprofit, but really care holistically. Like I, we really believe that ministry leaders lead out of healthy marriage, healthy families, right? right? And so a lot of times when we meet, it's like coaching and mentoring space where we're often checking in like, hey, Tommy, you know, how how are you in your family life? How are you as a husband? How are you as a dad? You know, just holistically, how are you doing? Because we believe you have to lead out of a healthy life rhythm, right? And then we're going to talk about How's your ministry doing? What's your dream? Where, how can we be helpful to support you in making sure that dream that God has placed in your heart become a reality? Yeah. So essentially what you're doing is you've created a consulting firm that many of these guys can never afford one of these big consulting firms that comes alongside and takes an idea that they're working on and gives legs on it. For instance, one of the things I realized, Stella, is a lot of these individuals probably know what they want to do or have an idea what they want to do. Your job is actually talk them down through their bigger vision, scale it down, but help them process through some of the questions that they need to answer. Yes, very much so. Even though we're not a consulting company, because yeah. a lot of it is not fee-based because yeah. we want to keep it accessible for these leaders. Yeah. Um, but yes, in a sense, yeah, you got yeah. it right. You nailed it. Yeah, literally. So for instance, let's say you're, you're sitting there and you're, uh, you say, well, I, I, want to start, uh, I need to start a new business. Uh, I'm going to start a coffee shop. And I want to have this coffee shop and I want to do all these fair trade coffee and all that stuff. I want to start five locations. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's just go down a little bit. Let's have you, let's talk through a little bit in terms of the equipment that you need. How much startup do you need? All this stuff. And in the midst of realizing you're right, wait, maybe I don't enjoy coffee shop, 
But this is the point I really enjoy. You're helping them process through some of those things. Yes. And we really focus on the why. Why do you want to yeah. do it? Right. So I'll give an example of a leader. Uh, her name is Sandy. And she has, she is a, she herself, her own story is she was actually a refugee from Vietnam and right. 10 siblings lived in a very small place uh, in Hong Kong. Right. But she's like, she's currently a successful um, uh self-employed um, interior designer. Yeah. And so she's been so blessed with this business that she has this dream to want to do something and start a nonprofit. So I asked her her why, and her why is so often tied to her story as a refugee with limited space, or I think we all resonate to even with the pandemic, right? A lot of times parents have to share a very small space with kids. Kids want to say practice drum, but yet you're on a meeting on Zoom, right? Like space is important. And, and for her, her dream is how can she begin to create a nonprofit where she can help, uh, I guess, provide and, and design a nursery for moms yep. that I guess expecting, but it's a surprise. Correct. But she's also partnering with a local community nonprofit that offers free ultrasound, yeah. right? Because, you know, at the end of the day, I think there is that hope for them to keep the baby. Uh, and but then you can't afford to create a space yep. where, where the baby can thrive and you can be in a healthy space. So she wants to gift these moms uh, a, a sacred space, a beautiful space where moms will have limited resources, but yet they're expecting a child with this nursery. And yeah. she's calling it a, a stable space. And I think as Christian, we even recognize the importance of how sacred space is, right? Where Christ was born in a manger, right? And it's just this idea of... Uh, she has this idea. So we came alongside to help her clarify her why. Correct. And then putting, like you said, the like submission, the visions, the, the strategies and the measures around it so that she can yeah. begin to bless these moms in her local community. Very, very good. How are they finding you guys? Is it through word of mouth? Do you guys, how do they keep track of you guys? You know, that's a great question. It's multiple, I mean, multiple entry points, I guess. Word of mouth, uh, do my own personal network, whether it be Gateway Friends Church or I do my APU days, right? Whoever I know, uh, sharing what Link does, kind of engaging what is their dream. If they don't, and if they know anyone who might find Link to be helpful and valuable yeah. on their journey. So it's it's different facet. And then we're also on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and we're yeah. trying to get on TikTok right now to get more exposure. Is there a limit? Like for instance, uh consulting, free consulting, all that stuff, you probably could max out at 15 groups or organization or companies. Is there a max that you guys have? We currently don't have a max right now, only because SoCal, as you know, is huge. Yeah. I mean, we can break that, that down to five regions between the Valley, the San Gabriel Valley, San Fernando, San Bernardino, Orange County, San Diego, right? LA. And so what I'm really praying and working on the last uh, two, three years I've been a city director is really expanding the local team. So currently I'm full-time as a city director. I have two part-time associate city director that lives in a different part of Southern California. Yeah. And then I have an intern who is helping with communication. And so the more people I can bring on a local team, talk about, we just talked about this, right? Teamwork, collaboration, body of Christ, the more leaders who can support. Yeah. And so um, my hope and dream and prayer really is, can I have there's me as a city director. I would love to have five part-time associate yeah. city director or bifocational yeah. in different region of Southern California yeah. because they know their community best, right? Yeah. And then they can begin to raise up and equip leaders in that region yeah. of Southern yeah. California. Yeah. 
And then a lot of it is also run by volunteers as well, too. A lot of these projects are overseen by volunteers. There are some, not a lot, um, okay. because a lot of these are like one of my associate city directors is a certified coach. And so if I want to uh, connect a leader we're supporting with a coach, I often connect them with him because he is certified as a coach. Uh, but not a lot of volunteers. Uh, I think volunteers, what volunteers look like, Tommy, is if there's a leader who wants to um, start a, for, a redemptive business, so for-profit, but has redemptive, right? Uh, redemptive business, but don't know how to write a business plan. That's where volunteer comes in. So yeah. then I find someone who's already launched a business, willing to invest and donate their time, and walk alongside this leader and say, hey, let's sit down. What does it look like to create a business plan? Because yeah, yeah. I'm not, Link doesn't claim to be an expert at everything, but in our network, we have a lot of experts yeah. we can draw on, and that's where volunteers come in. Got it. How do you guys support it? Because a lot of times people don't pay you guys a fee. Is it all donor-driven supported? It is all donor, except for we have a very small arm of consulting that's fee-based with churches. Um, but even that is minimal, but so it's majority donor driven with either congregation, individuals, foundations and grants, um, or yeah, really it's, it's, it's almost 95 plus percent. Have uh, you guys gotten to a point where some of these projects that you're working on are sustainable enough where they're able to give back and support what Link does? Yeah, there's a few that, that they're not sustainable yet, but because they value what Link does, they are already giving um minimally so you know it, like anything you need years to kind of wait on their fruit and so prayerfully maybe give it another few more years when they are hit sustainability yeah, and maybe we'll yeah. get more of a consistent uh funding from them very very good yeah man you guys are doing wonderful things as well too so for you a lot of times is what type of businesses or groups are you guys is a, a lot more nonprofit is a lot more startups if so what kind of startups and what's the makeup are you seeing more women leaders are you seeing more male leaders african-american latino what what's yeah. been the your projects that's such a great idea uh great question i actually have this but not the uh clear percentage i'm actually having a the last thank you card for our donor and this was from a couple months ago so a couple months ago we're at 54 leaders in our pipeline in SoCal. I think currently we have around 61. And majority, 55%, is a ministry venture. So that whether they're in a church or doing some type of ministry, 30% uh, is nonprofit. 11% is next gen. By next gen, I mean, you know, I have a Chapman counseling student. I have a UCI medical student. Uh, because we also believe that everyone should be a light and salt in all sectors of society, yeah. right? So 11% is next gen, and then we have like 4% redemptive business. So the prayer is to grow the next gen and the, and the business portion more, but because of really the history of how Link started, there's a lot more on ministry, we're heavier on ministry side and the nonprofit side. Yeah. And then with locally, we're pretty split. I mean, we're very diverse. We have um, diverse ethnically and generationally, as well as gender as well. We have a lot of women in our pipeline, a lot of women of color uh, in our pipeline. Um, so yeah, it's, it's very diverse in the leaders that we get to serve and come alongside. Very, very good. Stella, I'm learning a lot from what you guys are doing over at Link. Uh, for you is like, where can people find you? For you personally, also Link, where, where can they find you guys at? Yeah, so they can, we have a website called link.org. Uh, that's a main website for all of Link Ministries 
it'll list the seven cities. Go ahead and click on Link SoCal, yeah. and you'll find the more local Link SoCal page. We're also, like I said, on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, also, Link SoCal. The Instagram one is Link underscore So underscore Cal, and that you can find. You can also find the uh, Instagram and Facebook handle on our website as well. Um, yeah, I mean, we're we're on those web pages and social media. That's where you can find yeah. us. The hard part is right now you are reading, you have 50, 60 organizations that you're working with. In some sense, the bigger that you are, the more you got fundraised for some of these uh, projects exactly. as well, too. Exactly. And yeah. it's hard. You're managing 60 people. And so that means their problems are going to be complex. You're going to have some that are similar, but you're now going to dig in the DNA of what, because the leader and all of that stuff goes into that conversation. Right, right, for sure. But Tommy, I think what I love is that one of our promise is that no leader walks alone. Yeah. And that becomes very hard when you have uh, supporting that many leaders. What does it look like for no leaders to walk alone? I mean, each day, can I say it's a win when this leader feel not alone, not isolated, right? And I think I, I have your organization to thank too, to get to LA. Like the other day I had a lunch, a picnic lunch with Michael Mata, who's a staff at your organization. Okay. And even what Together LA offers, I'm like, well, can we partner? Because if I come along some of these leaders in churches, who's having a hard time at understanding how to engage the local community, say this church in Burbank, yeah. how do you uh, engage the Armenians where there's a lot of Armenians in that community? when they're majority Anglo, right? And so I asked Michael, who's your uh, community engagement director, right, at Together LA, is this something that Together LA can step in and, and partner yeah. with Link in, in helping these churches and leaders learn very practical ways of yeah. engaging the community and reading the community, exegeting yeah. the community, exegeting right? So, the community, yeah. so, so to me, this is like, no leader walks alone. It's not just Link providing yeah. that, but are there networking partners like together LA that Link can draw on to yeah. make sure our leaders don't walk alone? So it's a, it's a it's a body of Christ working together, yeah. really. Or even a lot of times, as I'm sitting there thinking, is even one of the things that even together LA, I do a lot of classes on major donor fundraising. What mm. happens when you make an ask of a person? How do you know what to make an ask? What do you need to do? How do you communicate? But then you also got to do your homework and you got to love the yes. donor. You got to care for the donor, but you got to be responsible for the donor, all of those different things. So, and then how, how does Together LA continue to share the stories of all the people that you're working with? Mm -hmm. Like that interior designer, Hong Kong, I love to share a story because when we start working together, it's these stories that will make a difference in LA. Amen. Yes, yes. And and stories matters, you know, like the last two days, actually this week, I'm missing it. Um, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, AACC, which is Asian American Christian yeah. Collaborative. Okay. So the, pres the, the founders are um, uh, Ray Chang and Michelle Reyes. Yeah. And they put together the very first time an Asian American history tour, which is what some would call a Sankova, just looking back. A lot of those trips exist for African-Americans, yeah. right? Of going to a civil rights movement, going to that place and learning history. So now we're learning the history of Asian-Americans. And so the last two days, we basically went and um, to the Chinese American Museum, yeah. did a tour of Chinatown. Yesterday was the uh, Japanese National uh, Museum. And actually, no, not yesterday, Tuesday was that. And then yesterday, I missed it because I can't participate in the rest of the week because they're going, they even went to um, Manzanar, and then to San Francisco, Chinatown, and Angel Island. So it's just stories is important. And I think reclaiming like, there's so many of us who just don't know, 
right? Our own history, our yeah. own ethnic story. And it's so important to capture these stories. So you're right. And I'm thankful that Together LA is doing these podcasts, doing these listening tours to capture these stories because God is doing things. And I think we get inspired with uh, in these stories and also what is it motivating, inspiring us to then do as well. Stella, if there are any, even with the 55 groups that you work with, if there are stories that emerge, love to share their stories and have people hear from them here on this platform. That would be great. I'll definitely connect you to them. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, also, Stella, uh, we, as we wrap up here, what is your favorite Chinese food? And if they were to go to Chinatown or go to, a, to try a Chinese cuisine, what would you recommend? What restaurant? You know, it's so hard to have a favorite, but if you ever end up being in, say, it's not Chinatown, but I guess like the new Chinatown, San Gabriel Valley, Monterey Park area, find these Hong Kong cafe restaurants. So one of them is a chain called Delicious Food Corner. I love the breakfast. Like they will give you top, they keep topping your milk tea. It's not like boba tea, okay? This is yeah. like more tea taste. Like yeah, it is a milk yeah, taste. Yeah. So the Hong Kong milk tea with the pineapple bun with the yep. butter in there, yep. that's like the perfect comfort food and breakfast that I would recommend. Just go to Delicious Food Corner, sit there with your um, milk, Hong Kong milk tea, or they sometimes mix milk tea with coffee if you like coffee, yeah. not milk tea person, and, and order that pineapple bun, something simple. Oh. Stella, I'm a big soup dumpling person. So I love the, those silong bows really, yes. very, very much. Those are my favorites. Yes, it's good. What about yours, Tommy? Uh, you know what? If you ever come to Chicago, there's this wonderful restaurant that I've been going to called Moon Palace. Okay. And so a lot of times they have those soup dumplings over there, but <gasps> it's the bakeries. Every single morning, I know a lot of times the first group of baker of baked goods come out around 7 a.m., I'm uh -huh. usually there around 7.30 because at 7 a.m. you still it's still those sparse, but by 7.30, everything's out. Wow. Okay. I have, there's a link Chicago. So if I ever find myself visiting, I'll have to hit you up, Tommy. <laughs> we will. We will. So Stella, thank you so much for finding some time to talk and yeah, looking forward to you, connecting Tommy. in the future. Thank you. Thank you so much. See you soon. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Together LA Listening Tour. To stay connected, make sure you subscribe to the Together LA channel, rate and review this episode, and make sure to share on your social media platforms. We would love for you to follow along with Together LA on Instagram, Facebook, and our website at www.togetherla.net. See you next time.